Um, we roughly produce maybe eight to 9% of the meat that is consumed locally. Um, if we go to a more general scope, like ag in general, it's about 15%. Welcome to Meatspad. In collaboration with the American Meat Science Association, it's a platform dedicated to share breakthrough knowledge that is accessible to the global meat industry. On each episode, you'll have the opportunity to listen and learn from meat specialists and professionals about the whole meat industry. This podcast is brought to you by the U.S. Meat Export Federation, Ultrasource, equipment and supplies for the meat and food industry, ViscoFan Collagen Casings, the best alternative to animal gut casings for a better taste and sustainable sausage making, EFA, slaughter and meat processing tools, Hello, me folks. Welcome back to the Mispat Podcast. My name is Francisco Nohar, and I'm your host today. Um, so it's been uh, quite a bit some time since I visited Puerto Rico for the first time. Um, and believe it or not, there's a lot of good things happening in Puerto Rico um, in terms of new meat facilities coming up uh, this year and next year. Um, I had the privilege and, and honor to met Dr. Dominic um in the island a couple years ago uh and it kind of it's funny because when i when i met her uh she was friends with Derek Schroeder which is a colleague uh they both went to Nebraska and well happy to have you on on Meatspad Dr. Dominic how are you today thank you i'm doing well very excited to be with you guys today Awesome. So we, so kind of full disclosure, we did uh, the Spanish version of, of this episode uh, recently. And I think, I think it's a good opportunity for us in, in the U.S. And, and some folks listening overseas to understand um, what's happening in, 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 in Puerto Rico for the, for, I mean, in terms of the mid industry and, and all of the things, uh, new things happening. And uh, I think, first of all, I think we can mention some of the new funding available for, for new meat facilities. Uh, I mean, as, as, happened, as it happened in the U.S. when COVID hit, uh, there was some, some supply issues uh, in, the, in the meat industry in Puerto Rico. And then we can, we're going to touch today about some of the challenges because you guys import some raw materials, pork, beef, um, but that thing is changing more and uh, more and more. You guys are becoming more sustainable. But anyways, I think we're going to start from there. Uh, and again, uh, welcome. Welcome to Miss Pat. Thank you. Thank you for having me. <laughs> yes. So tell us about, um, I know this is a new, some new funding for underserved uh, areas. And I, one of them is, is Puerto Rico. And maybe uh, you can tell us about how you help small processors or, or some of the, their concerns in, in Puerto Rico. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we're very excited because there are two new projects that have recently come in, um, NIFA projects specifically. One of them is, um, we call it the RIA project because it's the insular areas. And there's a, there was a call out for Pacific areas and Caribbean. Um, so we are very happy that we were able to then do a collaboration and we are collaborating with um, UVI, University of Virgin Islands, um, for that specific proposal. 
Um, and then the other project that received funding recently was also an EFA project. That one is for Hispanic serving institutions. So we label it as HSI. Um, but those new projects essentially come from the need of, which is a common need actually within here in Puerto Rico and in the mainland, where um, there's, a, there's a shortage of people that are um, maybe capacitated and, and can be ready to go into the meat industry as soon as they're done um, with their degrees. So out of that need came those um, those calling call out for proposals and, and we were very fortunate to, to be successful with both of those. Um, and essentially kind of, I guess in a nugget, we're trying to you know make them run in parallel, if you will, uh, because the thing about it is I can, try to make academic programs to fit those needs and try to make individuals come out of our programs as capacitated as possible, which is obviously a focus we will have in those grants, but um, it has to go kind of hand in hand if the end goal is to strengthen our meat industry. So what we were trying to do and the focus we did with both of them was trying to do a dual purpose or kind of having two objectives. So we're trying to, and we already started, we had our first big get together with the stakeholders this Friday, and it was a great activity, icebreaker to kind of get us rolling in that direction to really identify needs um, and specific addressable, addressable um, concerns, if you will. So once we have kind of that baseline, we hope to build upon that because it makes no sense for me to try to um, prepare these students for a workforce that is so vulnerable. So then trying to get those two things to run together, um, that's kind of what we're trying to address. And, and you know, I, I don't know how far you want me to go into the, the whole objectives and what we're trying to reach, but it's eventually... I think you mentioned workforce. I think that's that's a very legit uh, concern, and not only in Puerto Rico, but I think overall in the mid industry. I mean, that's you can see across the board. Uh, what are other concerns uh, that that you have identified in this meetings uh, from from small processors in in, in their career? Uh, one very common thing that comes along always in conversations is the fact that. Um, we are kind of a captive market, if you will. So then we have a lot of issues with marketing because we do get a lot of imports in the island. And then there's a price differential that we might not be able to meet in most instances. And because we are an island, we have to import a lot of the grains. And that might not hurt us as much in ruminants because we're fortunate enough to then obviously go to grazing systems primarily. Uh, but in the case of swine and poultry, then the story becomes a little bit different. Um, so then there's, there's a lot of things that we know we have to address, um, but meat imports um, is, is definitely a topic that, that hurts us a lot um, and economic viability and, and a lot of things come into play. Yeah, and, and I'm glad you, you bring this up because I think we, we visited about this topic quite a bit. Uh, and I mean, I, I was invited to, to one of your uh, lectures, I don't know, a couple of months ago, and I, I thank you for that. I was able to, to sit down with uh, young, young grad students and, and, and young meat, future meat scientists. But what is the, the proportion of imports as far as, uh, as, far as meat goes? 
Yeah. Well, if it's specific to meat, um, and, and I work more, more closely with beef, but it's the same trend for all types of meat, um, we roughly produce maybe eight to nine percent of the meat that is consumed locally. Um, if we go to a more general scope, like ag in general, it's about 15 percent um, of, of what is consumed in the island is produced here. Um, but meat, it's, it's a little bit more of a dire situation. And unfortunately, it's even less. So maybe eight to nine percent. So would you say that this funding is, is hitting the need of self-sustainable, right? Like that you, you guys are investing in how can we be more sustainable in terms of production? Absolutely. It is always, always, always a concern. We're very vulnerable. Um, as I mentioned in the Spanish version, we spoke on it just a little bit. Um, we're very vulnerable to hurricanes and, you know, it's, it's kind of a, a dire situation when we have these things happen because it's like, well, it's, what are you going to do? You're only producing this much. So, so it becomes a very important conversation that needs to be addressed. So if, if like down there, so you, you're getting a lot of, a lot of pork, a lot of, I mean, uh, boning, boning hams, boneless, uh, how, so what, what's, because I, I imagine, because I, I know uh, from the fact that you guys, you guys can get import products from, from the U.S. primarily, but I see some product from Canada, from Mexico, from Nicaragua, Costa Rica. So you can get a lot of products from a lot of, a lot of regions. Is, is this an issue sometimes due to the variability of quality? Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. We have some inconsistencies. That's for sure. Um, but if it's product uh, mostly from the U.S. where where there are grading systems in place, then then, of course, it just kind of ties back to like how much are you willing to spend for this kind of quality, which is in that respect is great because you kind of pay for what you're you're getting, so to speak. Um, but in our case, um, local product, we do not have grading systems. So in that regard, you know, if you have the power to do so, you're going to go out and buy probably a higher quality product. But in like you correctly mentioned, since we bring in from many other places that may not have grading systems in place, that is kind of more similar to what we're used to. So we kind of pay and not, we're not 100% sure of what we're going to, what's our eating experience going to be. Yeah. Interesting. And, and now I think I'm going to get a little bit more technical because this is where a one of the the meat science meat scientists down there. I'm not I'm not saying that you're the only one, but no, yeah, sure. You you, you have more people, but I think you do a very good job of uh, supporting meat processors. I mean, yeah, you're you have your uh, research program, but you do a lot of 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 extension, if if you will, and and I think that's that's key. I mean, how. how so how's, I think you can, you can tell me a little bit how, how you connect the science and communicating that science to, to local processors. And I know this is a challenge, because especially in, I mean, uh, I'm originally from Mexico, like everyone knows, and sometimes a lot of things are slowly uh, adapting to, to, a lot, to a lot of things. I mean, coming, coming from the U.S., you spend sometimes in grad school in the U.S., and there's a lot of challenges and opportunities in your, in your country sometimes. So how, how do you cope with that? 
The mission of the USMEF is to increase the value and profitability of the U.S. beef, pork, and lamb industries by enhancing demand for their products in export markets to a dynamic partnership of all stakeholders. Simply put, USMEF is putting U.S. meat on the world's table. Yeah. Yeah, it is, it is actually very challenging. And I kind of tend to see the glass half full kind of a thing because a lot of the times I might speak of like what our production systems look like and our realities and all of these things. But I, I look at it as, as an opportunity for, for growth and for improvement. So that's kind of how I've been trying to, you know, take it all in and, and, and work with everyone. Uh, but we are very accessible to anyone that would need our help, even though like you might be a producer, you might be in a processing plant, you might be at a slaughterhouse. Either way, we try to make ourselves very available to whatever that looks like and however we can help. And that's the beauty of these new projects that have come in recently that finally, you know, they kind of give us that that power to, to even be more available. Um, and, and we realize we can't we can't kind of try to just deviate our attention and help one sector because, it, you know, we are interdependent of each other. So, And if you can touch, um, uh, because we're going to go back to what you said earlier on, on this 8 to 10% of, of beef and pork that you, that you, you manufacture, you, pro, you, you produce in, in, in Puerto Rico, um, what, what are some... Uh, I know, I know you've, been, you've done some work on going in and, and, and identify and evaluate some of the quality, the quality traits for the, for the products that you produce in, in Puerto Rico. I think you can, you can touch on that if, if you can. And genetics. So I think this is, this is, this is a very important topic because I know we touch on some of, uh, on some of that factor. Uh, what's available in the island as well. Yeah, yeah, that's a very good point. Yeah, when I first um, came back, um, the first thing I, I worked on was a small project where I just kind of um, took commercial samples, in, in my case, beef, because that's kind of where I focused the most. So in that case, we took in 60 commercial samples that were available. And then um, we just, something very simple, we just categorized them according to pH categories to kind of see where we were. Because just from observing and from my master's work that I did over here, we knew we had many variations in quality. And again, we don't have quality grading systems, so that's kind of to be expected. Um, but yeah, so we, we went ahead and did that sorting. And unfortunately, we confirmed what we believe was part of the issue, right? We do have problems with high pH. Um, and in, you know, anything above um, 5.86, we would call a DFD. And in that regard, unfortunately, 19% of those samples of the 60 samples that we, we ran at that time uh, were above that threshold. So, so once again, confirming, and if we you know, do some backpedaling and see, well, where's the issue coming from? It's multifactorial because it might be something to do with management. Uh, like I mentioned, a lot of our ruminants are pasture raised, so there's not a lot of uh, grains to help build up a little bit of glycogen in muscles. Um, and then according to what you were saying, and it's true, we have a genetic issue as well because our conditions, we're in the tropics. So we need someone to be adapted to our conditions, 
be able to withstand ticks and all, all the things that could affect us in the tropics. So we have to have these animals that are very robust and can survive in these environments. Uh, but most of the times that's kind of done with a little bit more of a boss indicus influence in our genetics. Um, but we have for, for many years now, the beef group at the university has had a very strong viewpoint that we know we need to work with many elements and one of those is genetics. So we have for many years now been working with, with Senepol cattle um, and, and you know, Senepol's have kind of the best of both worlds, if you will, because they are boss taurus animals. And then, you know, we, we benefit those attributes there, but at the same time, they were developed right next to us in Santa Cruz, you know, in St. Croix. So in that regard, that, that just makes it a wonderful resource that we have. So we've been working a lot with that. So we know we have a lot of, you know, a lot of balls to juggle and a lot of things go into this formula. Um, but we're, we're confident that what we're trying to do with the breed and all of these practices will help us improve that. And that when we repeat this exercise again, hopefully in a couple of years, we're not going to see 19%, but we're going to see less. <laughs> I'm very hopeful. <laughs> no, and, and I think more and more that you guys invite people like that are, uh, from the outside. And I think that's very smart in my, in my opinion, when, when, you know, okay, I have some issues, but let me, let me have some people from, from other places to, to kind of help us. So I think I admire that a lot. And I think, um, and, and for sure, I mean, whenever I I'm in Puerto Rico, I feel like home. So I think there's a connection between yeah. Puerto Ricans and, and Mexicans, but yeah, for sure. <laughs> the, the, the kind of, uh, we're getting to the end of this episode, but I, I think I would like to, to ask you how, how was how this passion start? I mean, this this uh, passion for for meat, for meat science, for uh, for meat. So I I kind of know the answer, but you can yeah. you can maybe tell us about what sure. what made you go to because you, you did your PhD with Dr. Chris Calkins. Uh, what like eight years okay. ago, maybe. It was, I started in 2013. So I was in Nebraska from 2013 to 2016. Yes. Yeah. So I'm very excited. Yes. You talked about Dr. Culkins and I always get excited because he's like a second father to me. Um, the best mentor I could have ever had. Um, but yeah, that, that was kind of a whirlwind, if you will. <laughs> I was very adamant. I, I never in my life visualized myself being anywhere but home. Um, so that was a little bit of a challenging at first, but the thing about it was I knew I kind of wanted to do this to better serve my community and there was no way I could possibly do that. So I had to put on my pants and be like, let's be a big girl, tough it up and go. <laughs> this is for a greater good. And that's kind of what happened. I had, I have an agricultural background due to my parents. Um, at first they had a dairy operation um, and then they switched over to a beef operation. So I kind of knew the basics, if you will, uh, I still have a lot to learn, but I kind of knew the basics of general management, reproduction and nutrition, but I had so many questions because you always hear professors and everyone telling you, oh, you have to do this and you have to good, do good record keeping in your farm. And if you do crossbreeding, you're going to get better offspring and all, all of these concepts running through your mind. 
And I'm like, well, yeah, that makes sense. But like in terms of meat quality, since it's not such a big area that's, you know, studied, if you will, here, then I had so many questions and I was like, well, so when I decided to do my master's, it was because I had a really awesome mentor here in my undergrad. Um, he was from Uruguay and he kind of followed me down the hallway one day when I turned in my final exam for that class. Um, and then when I did, he's like, hey, I think you should really consider going into your master's. And that's kind of how it all came about. Um, and then that question led to many more questions. And um, when I was, you know, looking to see, well, like, where am I going to go? And I was like, well, let's look at Nebraska. Nebraska is the beast state. <laughs> so I started talking to Dr. Culkins via email and it was such a great response what I was getting. And I got a really good feeling from it. And I put all my eggs in that basket. I'm like, well, yeah, I'm going to apply. If, if they say yes, then the, that's the ticket. And that's, that's, it's meant to be. And that's kind of how that happened. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we send our regards to Dr. Calkins. He's, he's now yeah. enjoying retirement. And, and I think he's struggling a lot uh, showing and, 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 and talking about the, the, the beef from Nebraska. So Thank you, thank you, Dr. Dominic, for your time. I think this is this is this was uh, very condensed, but I, I think that at least it helps some other people from around the world uh, so to so they know what's going on in Puerto Rico. But I think it's, they have a very unique scenario. Um, but I think I'm very proud of, of what you guys are doing, and and always always happy to help. So thank you. Thank you a lot for your time, and uh, I don't know, do you, do you have any, any other thoughts, some last thoughts that, that you want to talk on before we... Sure. I Like I mentioned, I guess I always see the glass half full, and what's very, and this even happened to me in grad school, when I kind of explained, like, what our system looks like, or, or you know, and everyone kind of looks at it, it was like, are you sure you want to go back there? Kind of, it sounds like kind of, there's so many potential negatives, if you will, but I'm like, no, that's the beauty of it. It's like whatever small change I could do is going to be magnified so many more times. So, so yeah, I, I'm always a very hopeful person. I hope that never changes, <laughs> but yeah, we're excited. We're excited. And I thank your support and everyone else support because Anything that would help us move along those lines, that would be amazing. <laughs> yeah. Well, again, thank you. Thank you for your time. And uh, we'll, we'll see you soon in Puerto Rico. Awesome. We'll wait for you with open arms and good food. <laughs> <laughs>